Daniel chapter 6 in your Bibles. And what I want you to notice, if you would again, verse 10 of this text, you'll notice the Bible reveals what would normally be considered a very unremarkable and really sort of an insignificant act. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. The specific action, of course, that I want you to notice in this text, this really wonderful story, concerns the opening of a window. The Bible says that in Daniel's house in faraway Babylon, his windows were thrown open. And again, obviously, that's not a very remarkable or a very significant fact. Because the opening of a window is really one of the most common acts of mankind. People do it all the time, and they do it without a thought, especially when the weather outside is nice. And yet, it is true that when Daniel opens this window, according to this text, it was actually one of the most important decisions in all of Scripture. It was an act that in itself was immaterial, but in its motive... It actually reveals the true character of this mighty man. And why? Why was this ordinary practice so extraordinary for Daniel? Look again at verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. What writing? Well, the writing that was against him. The writing that was given in order to destroy his life. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. You see, folks, the important word here is that word toward. Daniel opened those specific windows that faced toward Jerusalem. And folks, if you're still not exactly sure what that means, why it means anything at all, I want you to look at what it says in Genesis chapter 13. It should be on the screen before you know. It says in verse 12, And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, wait a minute. All over the area that night, scores of tents were pitched by weary travelers in the cities of the plain. A multitude of men and women would put up their tents in the exact same manner, the very same way that Lot did, except Lot specifically chose to pitch his tent, the Bible says, toward Sodom. In other words, Daniel opened the windows for his prayer time toward Jerusalem, and Lot opened his tent toward Sodom. So that those actions, immaterial and standing alone, you understand, nevertheless revealed the character and thus the heart of the men themselves. Daniel opened his window toward Jerusalem, and he thus revealed a heart that was true to God. Lot opened his tent, if you will, toward Sodom, and thus revealed the object and the affection that he had in his heart for this world. So that you see, folks, sometimes the most common and insignificant of our actions in life, however immaterial they may seem to be, 
Sometimes they are actually like a weather vane in that they sort of reveal the direction of our heart and soul. Daniel opened up a window and Lot pitched a tent. And the ramifications of those actions eventually were triumph for the one and great tragedy for the other. And there's a message in this for us. And I hope that we'll hear it. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we come now to your word. And Lord, I ask, please, Father, help us. All distractions, any sin between us and you, Lord, please help us. May there be nothing between. I ask, Father, that we will humbly submit ourselves to your spirit as he enlightens your word in our hearts and lives. You have said yourself, your son told us these things were written for our learning and our admonition. Please admonish us. Please help us, Lord, on this Lord's day to hear what the Spirit has to say to this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During the very crucial days of the Scottish Reformation, it was often said that the one thing that a true, the true heart of a Scot was torn by more than anything else was the presence and the power of the French. Frenchmen who held almost all of the highest offices in the state of Scotland at that time. And the irritation and the bitter envy that these Scotsmen felt was essentially the same feeling that the aristocratic nationals of Babylon felt towards this man whose name was Daniel. They hated him. Now in Scotland, they just assassinated David Rizzio. But in Babylon, the princes and the counselors took a more political route, if you will, in that what they did is they made an illegal, they made a law so that it was illegal for him to pray for 30 days. At least you couldn't pray to any other god other than Darius. That entire process, as you all know, was designed to trap Daniel into committing a capital crime, into going against his God. It was something that Daniel was fully aware of the night that the Bible says he went into his house to pray. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. You see, folks, we noted earlier that sometimes it's little insignificant, common, everyday actions in our lives that reveal the bigger, more enduring picture of our lives. And specifically here, because they often reveal the direction, follow this, the direction in which a person is headed in and with his life. They reveal the trend of a man or a woman's character the direction of his thoughts, his wishes, his desires. And in this morning's text, I want us to consider what they might show us about three different things. The first one you'll notice, number one, was the direction of Daniel's eyes. You see, the Bible says that Daniel opened his windows toward Jerusalem. Now, I have a question. I want you to hear this carefully. Here's my question. Could David see Jerusalem? 
Could he indeed see the promised land, the holy hill of Zion, the river Jordan? Of course he couldn't. Israel was 500 miles away from Babylon. In fact, the truth is by opening up the windows, what Daniel could really see was more of Babylon. And yet, it wasn't Babylon at all that was the focus of his heart. What it was, was the land and the God of that land that he so loved. You see, folks, the open windows revealed the direction of Daniel's vision. We sang a moment ago, be thou my vision. It revealed the object of his faith. So that even though Daniel couldn't physically see Jerusalem, nevertheless, with the eyes of faith, he always looked to Jerusalem. And beloved, not for nothing. This is exactly what we are admonished to do with the kingdom of God. We cannot see heaven. We cannot see our Savior physically, the captain of our very faith. We cannot see the new Jerusalem and the place that He is now preparing for all of us. However, what we can do is focus our eyes, our heart in that direction. We can have our windows open. Because our heart and our eyes are open. Some time ago, I had to use an ATM machine to get $20 for something, a little traveling thing I was doing. And I was in a bit of a hurry, and so I punched all the codes. And so I waited for the cash, but without realizing it, I still hadn't realized it, I punched in an extra zero, so instead of getting $20, $200 came out. I went to the reach for $20, it was $200. And I suddenly realized what it was like to hit it big in Vegas. <laughs> or what Aubrey tells me it's like to hit it big in Vegas. And you know, my immediate reaction to that was, was negative. It was like, man, I still thought that the machine made the mistake. And I thought, man, now I've got to go inside and I have to figure this out and so on and so forth. And it was so fascinating because when I went inside, the guy's reaction was basically, I said, he said, what happened? I said, it gave me 200 instead of 20. He goes, really? He couldn't wait to try it himself. <laughs> His attitude was positive because finders keepers or whatever. And you know, I thought, this is what I, in my heart, I thought to myself, this is what I love about the Holy Spirit and the Christian faith. The Christian faith is not a matter of karma or fate or yin and yang or the stars are all lined up or finders keepers. The Christian doesn't look around. The Christian doesn't even just look inside in order to determine if something is good or bad or right or wrong. The believer looks up. He's always looking up with eyes of faith Faith in the one who said, thou shalt not steal, for example. Who said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, a Christian is someone whose eyes are focused in the right direction. So that instantly your reaction is upward, not downward. And people say, you believers, you Christians, 
who keep your eyes on heaven and your eyes on God and you're always talking about eternal things and that's what Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You people are always focused on that kingdom. Aren't you so heavenly minded you're of no earthly good? Aren't you always pie in the sky? Do you know that actually the exact opposite is true? We said earlier that by opening up this window, Daniel could actually see more of Babylon than had he closed himself in. It's a perfect metaphor for a faithful Christian. Christians who live with their eyes toward the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not closing their eyes to anything in this world. They just see this world through his eyes. And that's with far more clarity. And literally, instead of just seeing cancer or injustice or temptation or ambition, instead of just seeing the national debt and politics, a believer sees all of those things through the lens of truth and eternity so that he's the one, she's the one who's really humble and compassionate and patient. Ask you again, did Daniel see the treachery and the idolatry and the envy of those men surrounding him in Babylon who were entrapping him? Of course he did. Did Daniel see the injustices in his own land? Yes, he did. But because his eyes were in the direction of Jerusalem, he saw all of those things with perspective, discernment, and wisdom. He saw them through the eyes of faith. I love what it says in the first and last line of verse 23 of chapter 6. Verse 23 says, Then was the king, this is the pagan heathen king, then was the king exceedingly glad for Daniel. Why was he exceedingly glad for Daniel? All you got to do is look at the last line of that same verse, because Daniel believed in his God. You know what that's called, beloved? That's called a witness. His faith allowed him to be a witness in that dark land. The direction of Daniel's eyes revealed the object of his faith. Number two, the second thing you'll notice is the direction of Daniel's heart revealed the object of Daniel's devotion. In fact, I want you to notice something interesting in chapter 6. Look at verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to see the den of lions. And when he came to the den... He cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? What's interesting to me is that the king called Daniel by his Jewish name. I just want to remind you, you know this, most of you do, that the Babylonians tried to brainwash these exiles into becoming one of them. One of the world. And they started. The first thing they did was change their name. And yet after so many years living in Babylon, King Darius did not look down in there and say, Oh, Belteshazzar. He didn't look down there and call him by that pagan name they gave him. Because that name did not stick. And the reason it didn't stick that Daniel's heart was never really in Babylon. The direction of his heart was never toward Babylon. And may I say this? 
It is the direction of your heart this morning that is really the most important thing about you spiritually. It's not just the distance that you have traveled. It's not how far your heart has traveled. In other words, it's not that you've been saved for 30 years and you've got a whole bunch of Sunday school awards. I was a deacon for 21 years. I knocked on doors in Knoxville, Tennessee all these years. How many times I saw some guy, he's smoking and drinking, doesn't go to church. I was a deacon for 27 years. You ain't got nothing to teach me. And so he thought because of all that service in the past. It is not that. What matters is the direction of your heart right now. God said, and the Lord Jesus repeated the words of the prophet, their lips say the right things. And their hands, oh, they're doing the right things. But their hearts are far from me. And yet Jesus looked at a criminal hanging on a cross, and he said, today you'll be with me in heaven because at that moment he was going the right direction. Beloved, as we travel our journey in Babylon, and we're in Babylon, this is the most important thing. I'll say it again, the most important thing is not whether or not you're stuck here, as some people view it as Christians, I don't, stuck here in Babylon. It's whether or not you're a thousand miles away from what you would consider the Holy Land. The important thing is the direction of your heart right now. Joseph was a slave in Egypt. He was a million miles away from his old home, but Egypt was not the object of Joseph's affection. In fact, I want you to notice carefully a pretty simple and amazing thing in verse 10 again. Look at it. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and said, Why, O God, why? Would you not smite my int? No. And prayed and gave thanks. Thanks? Yeah, and then it says, as before he's got, as he did aforetime. In other words, he'd been doing this all along. Follow this. Three times a day, every day, and he'd been doing it all along because it was aforetime. Always, the Bible says, Daniel prayed and gave thanks. Gratitude. Thank you, Lord. For what? For being taken from his family? For living in this pagan land? For being framed and blackmailed? What in the world is Daniel thankful for? I can tell you exactly what it is. Because it says aforetime. He was thankful for this before this. Look at chapter 2, would you? Just turn back a few pages. Daniel 2, notice this. This is when he's first taken to Babylon as a young man. Verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are His. Now, hold it for a minute. Do you bless God? Do you thank the Lord? Do you give God glory? Even though things are terrible? I mean, things couldn't be worse for this young man. He was snatched from his parents, his siblings, his homeland. He was taken 500 miles away to a pagan land. They changed his name and his garments. They tried to change his diet. 
And he says, blessed be God. I praise God. Why? He says, for his wisdom. Wisdom and might are his. And then look at verse 23. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers. He's not losing his faith. Who has given me wisdom. In other words, follow this carefully, folks. Daniel was thankful to God for the enlightenment in his heart, for opening his eyes to wisdom and understanding and revealing his will in far away Babylon. Is it any wonder that Daniel's heart was in the direction of God and God's people even many years later? I don't know, Pastor. You keep your eyes focused on heaven, your heart focused on Christ. I just don't know how you can do anything if it's always focused that direction. I don't know how you can do anything without thinking of spiritual things. Exactly. Exactly. You cannot. Opening a window toward, pitching your tent toward, means that everything you see is now related to the character of your heart and your soul. But you know something? That is the will of God in Babylon. The goal is to have our entire lives. As someone preached recently here, one of our guys, Jesus is not a piece of the pie. He's the whole pie. I got my gym. I got my fun time. I've got my work. All these little pieces of the pie. And of course, church, you're here today because Jesus is a piece of your pie. Oh, no, no, no. He is the pie. And let me just say this does not turn you into a zealot. This doesn't turn you into a nut, a religious fanatic. The Babylonians were the religious fanatics. Daniel was the one. In verse 3, it says he had an excellent spirit. Why? Because his heart and her eyes were in the right, his eyes were in the right direction. And thus everything naturally followed. You know, many of you, I'm sure, or have read or studied the phenomena of relevance. Relevance is very important in the world of child development. It's where I became acquainted with it some years ago and reading all about it because without it, the mind gets, gets way overstimulated. For example, let's say that you go out and you buy a brand new white minivan. It's the first one you've ever owned because you just turned 35 and now you're an old person. <laughs> well, now you're going to start noticing white minivans that you never really noticed before. Why is it that after you become a coach at JTAA, you start noticing bumper stickers on cars of JTAA, which you never noticed before? And I guarantee you, mark it down, you go out and buy a collie tomorrow, you're going to start seeing collies everywhere you never noticed before. They were always there. It's relevance. And the reason for that is that the human brain, according to all that I read, the human brain has this capacity to take in an almost infinite amount of information in a single day. It's really the most powerful thing on earth. But the ability for the human heart and soul to absorb and to cope with all of that stimuli constantly coming in 
is very, very challenging. And so guess what? God has actually designed us to filter out all of the things that we see and all of the things that we hear all day long that aren't relevant to us, that don't really absolutely matter. You have to remember. It is not relevant how many yellow Volkswagens are on the highway until you buy a yellow Volkswagen. Imagine if everything was relevant. Imagine every color, every make and model, every hairstyle, every bumper sticker, every dog, every cat, every animal, everything that ever confronted you in a single day without the God-given filter, you would pop like a water balloon as soon as you hit a wall. All right? Think about how much more important is this issue of relevancy in the spiritual realm. This is actually a biblical ethic if you know the Word of God. If your eyes and your heart are faced in God's direction, right? Pitch your tent that way. Open your windows that way three times a day. If your eyes and heart are faced in God's direction, then what becomes relevant to you? What becomes important enough not to get filtered out? Spiritual things, eternal things, excellent things. The kinds of things like wisdom and understanding that Daniel was so thankful to God for. You see, folks, if your eyes and your heart are facing the wrong direction, the wrong direction, then the wrong things are relevant to your heart and soul. You're like that Walmart cart. What do you know about a Walmart cart when you go get, grab it? It's going to go this direction or that direction. And you have to fight it constantly. And that's the way it is with your life. It will constantly pull away from God if that's the direction of your heart and your soul. Even something as insignificant as opening a window or pitching a tent reveals the direction of your life. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever your investment is, your heart follows. One of the reasons why some of you in this room are caregivers and your heart is empty because you gave so much treasure, so much time and effort in giving care. And when that person is gone, your heart is empty and broken. Well, if your investment is there, your heart is there. If your investment is here, your heart is here. God never wants His people to drive their tent pegs deep into this world. James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And of course, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. In other words, if you want the right things to be relevant to you, your marriage, and your children... If you want the right things, then start by this. Set your heart in the right direction. His eyes and his heart, number three. As a natural result of David's vision, you'll notice his feet were also in the right direction. Chapter 6 again, look at it with me. Notice verse 3. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. 
but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel. He's not corrupt, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What a testimony. You see, folks, Daniel's walk, his life, his testimony was such that everybody knew. Everybody knew the direction of his heart and his mind because he walked that way. Many, many years ago, I was an assistant pastor in Knoxville, as I mentioned. And one of my jobs as youth pastor was changing the big marquee sign that our pastor had on Magnolia Avenue. Huge. Big, huge sign. You know, you change the letters and the message, and we would change it every other day. It was a job, too. Letter by letter, had to climb up a ladder, big box of these plastic letters about that big, and you would change them. And our pastor was an old-time radio preacher, so they were, a lot of times they were controversial. And I'd be changing this letter. A lot of times they were about, like, Dolly Parton, how dare you, blah, 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 because he knew Dolly. And people would honk, and sometimes they would, like, gesture at me in not very nice ways, and sometimes they would wave and smile. And I remember one time I was putting up a sign, and it said this, and you've heard this, many of you. It said, if you were put on trial for being a Christian... And then you had an ellipsis, 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 ellipsis. And a guy pulled over. This happened more than once, guys pulling over, girls. Rolling down their window, and I'd wave. We're waiting for the rest of it. What is the rest of it going to say? And I said, well, I finished the other side. If you'll drive, you'll see the rest of it. And it says, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And he drove by and looked at it and went, mm -mm. now let me ask you that. Let's say in your public school, young people, you were called before the entire student body. And they were going to put you on trial. Is this girl a follower of Jesus Christ? And people would stand and give evidence, or you had to give evidence. Would be there be enough evidence to convict you? How about at work? Well, there certainly would for Daniel. Lot, on the other hand, Lot, written in Hebrews 11, Lot, in Sodom, no one suspected that he was a child of God. And yet, beloved, long before he ever reached Sodom, long before he settled there, the subtle, immaterial actions of his life already revealed that he was headed in that direction. In the final round of today's PGA Championship, speaking of having your heart set in the right direction, you know what, chances are today that not very many golfers are going to take a little pinch of grass and toss it in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. And that's because today, the winds at Oak Hill are going to be strong. And they're going to be so strong that it's obvious. You can look at the flag. You can look at the trees. It's obvious which way the wind is blowing. The grass, little pieces of grass, you sometimes see a golfer throw in the air. That grass is tossed into the breeze to show you the not so obvious. It's because you don't know which way it's blowing. And so it was for Daniel and so it was for Lot. 
The little insignificant actions of window opening and tent pitching were like grass and the wind, like a piece of straw tossed into a a creek. Neither are very significant, but they reveal the direction and the flow. I wonder this morning, what direction we're headed in? I wonder if today our eyes are set, our heart is set, our feet are set toward the living Christ and toward His kingdom. August 23, 1973, the credit bank in Stockholm, Sweden, was suddenly shocked to hear and rocked with the sound of sub, submachine gun fire. It was a bank robbery. And one of the robbers, Jan Verek Olsen, yelled out to the bank employees, the party has just begun. And for the next 131 hours, five and a half days, four bank employees were held hostage. They were held in a little vault, 41 or 11 by 47 feet. They were taunted. They were humiliated. They were threatened. They were abused. Several times the robbers pretended to execute a hostage only to stop at the very last second terrorizing them. Two police officers got access into the building. One was shot and wounded. The other one was told to sit in a corner and sing Lonesome Cowboy. No kidding, that's actually what happened. Their demand was $360,000 U.S., bulletproof vests and a fast car. One of the robbers named Olaf began to strangle a woman while on the phone with the prime minister. Bring the money or she will die. And at the last second, he let her live. Eventually, after this long ordeal, the robbers surrendered. The hostages were all released, and what followed came to be known as Stockholm Syndrome. That is a term still used in psychology now today to describe the sort of psychological effects on traumatized hostages. Because what happened afterwards was that all four of those captives, all four hostages, came out of that vault more sympathetic to their captors than to their liberators. They formed a bond so strong with their captors that those four hostages started a defense fund and testified on their behalf at trial. And of course, this happened with Patty Hearst, Elizabeth Smart, countless numbers of abused spouses. Stockholm Syndrome, where a hostage transfers their hatred from the hostage taker to the liberators, is a dangerous and it is a delusional condition. And I can tell you this morning, long before Niles Bergeron coined that term, Stockholm Syndrome, God had long, long identified the consequences of the fear of man and fellowshipping with the world. So that spiritually, all lost people and countless children of God who as captives are more sympathetic with the kingdom of darkness than they are with the kingdom of light. This is why... When Daniel got down on his knees and opened the window so that all of the world that was threatening him could still see. He wasn't ashamed. 
When he got down on his knees three times a day, every day, he was being held captive in Babylon, in his own Stockholm. He was grateful. But he was specifically grateful for what? Daniel came and he said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom is his. I thank thee and I praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hath given me wisdom. There was no Babylon syndrome for Daniel. There was no identifying with the idols and the darkness of Babylon because for all of his life, Daniel's heart and soul faced toward his God. When the angels of God were sent to destroy Sodom for its violence, its hatred, its deep immorality, it was the citizens of Sodom, as you may remember, who came around Lot's house and demanded to violate those same angels. Imagine that kind of lust and darkness. And you may remember when Lot opened his door, what he said to them. Lot looked at those people and he said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Brethren? Yeah. Because a long time ago, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. For Daniel, early in this book, he opened his windows toward heaven, toward Jerusalem. And in the last chapter of this book, after 80 long years, guess what you'll find? You will find three times in the last chapter, his name is still Daniel. Which way is your heart? Let me ask you this. Which way will your heart face tomorrow morning? Not on the Lord's Day, Monday morning. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for just a moment. I wonder who would say, Pastor Blaylock, I'm here today, and I'm a believer by the grace of God. I'm saved, and I know this, but as a believer, as a Christian, I needed this message this morning. In some way, in some capacity, the Holy Spirit has taken this text and this reminder this example that was written for my learning and admonition and reminded me of something as a child of the living God. I'm saved with heads bowed, eyes closed, but I needed the message. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands through the building and God bless you and amen and amen. Praise God. Look, he's worthy of the direction of your heart. Pastor, I'm so messed up. How long will it take me to get right with God? Right now, one second, one moment, just start heading the right direction. Pastor Blalock, I'm here today, and I don't know that. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd be in heaven. But I need to know it, and I'd like to know it. Would you pray for me? I won't come. I won't embarrass you. But if the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and convicting you about the need of salvation, I hope you'll obey his voice. Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me that I could be sure? Anyone like that? Would you lift your hand high enough where we can see you? God bless you. Someone else? Join these. I'm just not sure today that I'm saved, but I'd like to be sure. Anyone else? We're going to pray in a moment, have a time of invitation as we always do. And if the Spirit of God is speaking to you about something, obey His voice, won't you? The altar's here. Some of young people ought to just decide, listen, summer's coming. Summer's coming, a lot of opportunity, temptations. Set your heart in the right direction. Be a Daniel. 
No excuses. Well, everybody's doing it. Be a Daniel. Everybody did it around him. But he didn't. If you're not sure you're saved, Brother Kevin here at the front, he'll speak with you. Or any other need, obey his voice, won't you? Father, bless now the invitation as we commit it to you. Thank you. Thank you for these examples, Lord, in the Old Testament and in the New, Lord, that your word that you've given us. That we're supposed to be admonished by, encouraged, and convicted by, and I pray that we will be. Bless these who've asked for prayer. Please, Lord, draw them to you now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.